0: Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Danny Sayo, environmental lifestyle expert, editor in chief of Naturally Danny Sayo, and host of the Emmy Award winning TV show on NBC. He's also a principal and publisher of the design magazine Rue and the author of 15 books, including the most recent, Naturally Delicious Dinners. Danny is America's leading authority on modern eco-friendly living. In this episode, Danny shares all about his journey from starting an environmental nonprofit at the age of 12 to getting on The Oprah Show and being named the next Martha Stewart. We chat all about finding purpose, saying yes, and recognizing when a door opens, some of Danny's favorite wellness products and trends, sustainability tips, and productivity hacks. I had so much fun catching up with Danny and hearing all about his beauty, truth, and goodness philosophy. Keep listening to learn more. Danny, welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you on today.
1: Thanks for having me. I. I say no to every podcast, except for you. No way. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not a fan of podcasts. I don't know what it is, but I'm such a fan of what you do. And obviously your, your products are part of my life every single morning. And sometimes it's a snack every single day that I was like, of course, what an honor.
0: Oh my and God.
1: You, so, and I know you're fun. So this will be fun.
0: Well, I feel so honored and I adore you. So the feeling is mutual. And I'm just, I'm super excited to share your story because I don't know if everyone knows the background and what I love about it is the purpose that you found in life at such a young age. And I think that's something that's really hard. So I would love to start with that part of your journey because finding purpose is the key to our longevity.
1: It's it's something that's super interesting because when I was a teenager, I had the privilege of spending time with Deepak Chopra and he recognized something in me. And I was, you got to keep in mind, I'm a high school dropout. I was failing in school, but I was running a nonprofit and, and I'll explain how that all started. But Deepak said to me, he goes, you know, it's like people go through their whole life trying to find their dharma, like their meaning in life, yeah. their purpose. And, and I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, they go their whole life having no idea who they are and what their purpose is in life. And it's like the one thing that always feels like it's missing from their life. And he goes, for someone like you, you need to appreciate that at a very young age, you knew exactly who you are, what you needed to do, where you're going, and what your purpose is in life. And that's such a valuable asset to have. And for me, it felt I was so confused. because I thought, I thought everybody knew exactly what they wanted to do. Wow. So, but for me, the story sort of starts back on my birthday. I have the same birthday as Earth Day. And you know, as a child, it's such a politicized, keep in mind, it was like 1989. I'm at the age of 12. It's, it wasn't like a, a popular holiday. Like it was actually like a holiday that was sort of celebrated by very, very left environmentalists, radicals, Greenpeace, people being arrested, all fine. And then the very, very super conservative right, who was like, there's no such thing as global warming. You know, it's like, who cares about the environment? And and when you're a child, it's like you're so freaked out that your birthday is all about gloom and doom and the end of the world. So on my 12th birthday, I started I just I started a nonprofit with just a couple of friends in the basement of my parents. home. that was my birthday gift with a couple of dollars, like twenty three dollars. And between 12 and 18, I grew that into the country's largest nonprofit group for teenagers for environmental activism.
0: Did growing up like what what? inspired that to begin with? Is that something that your parents had really showed you? Or do you remember kind of that first initial feeling of, hey, this is oh, an area I want." to- Oh, you
1: bring up my parents. I know we're not filming video, but my face is like, what? No. <laughs> it's No, it's, you know, it's interesting. Is like, I think that was part of it too, is that my parents, they were not environmentalists. They weren't encouraging it, but they didn't also try to dissuade me from doing anything. They said, if this is something you're gonna do, you have to do it yourself. And keep in mind, this is before social media. This was actually where email was in its infancy. There were barely, you know, like you were using yeah. like GeoCities cities for a website. And so like, I had to figure out like at a certain point during the growth, it's like fundraising. I had to like, we got to a certain point where it was like, oh, I have to, the IRS is like, you need to be a 501c3 charity. So on my own, I had to create a board of directors and write, you know, file all the registration papers as a child, you know, to Incredible. get approved. You know i had to like you know like i was like literally running a corporation through a po box
0: how did you even know how to do that
1: you you just figure it out Yep. it's like and one of the things that was interesting is i spent so much time um, at our public library that one of the librarians like at the public library was like she's like we need to like someone needs to do a story about how like kids are coming to the library to like study business and they're in here. like we want more kids like in the library and and that was sort of like the first piece of press and it all kind of like and people were like other teenagers like wanted to join and and we were doing all of these campaigns on top of it that were so not normal at the time so like typically when you thought about preteens and teenagers we'd be planting trees or picking up trash and here i was like Challenging the Faroe Islands about their, you know, their whaling policy, wow. and so then I had this. I had the State Department like come visit me in high school to ask me. It's like about my how I'm potentially damaging a relationship between Denmark. and Iran. I got attorneys on to to work pro bono for us to challenge, you know, the development of what I considered to be like environmentally sensitive land. So we would fight developers in court to try to save like forested areas. I mean, we even convinced like some of the biggest retailers, you know, you know, to eliminate fur from their fashions. Wow. So it was, there were things where it was like, it, it was like, it was a mix of things where it's like, we wanted to do really meaningful, direct, real action versus just like, you know, smiling for the cameras.
0: Sure. It's incredible. Um,
1: and I also dropped out of high school.
0: So... What tips do you have, I guess, starting with to your to the earlier conversation, just around passion and purpose in finding that purpose?
1: You know, it's, it's so difficult because I feel like everyone's journey is different. I mean, sure. I, I love your story where like I honestly believe with your story, it's like I don't think you sat at your kitchen table and thought like one day I'm going to have like this massive empire. I think you just wanted to make good food. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and I think it's about recognizing the one thing you have to do is, is have your eyes open and recognizing like when a door opens. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they don't recognize it or they see it and they kind of deny themselves that journey through the door because they're worried of what's going to happen next. The unknown is scary for a lot of people. And the familiarity of like what you're in now and being comfortable is, is safe, for I think, for the majority of people. And so like I feel like sometimes when what I can do for people is that when I see a door open, they may hate it or they may hate me at the moment. But I can speak up and say, hey, this is an opportunity for you. And I just want you to recognize it. And whatever you choose, I'll support it. But I want you to see it and where this could take you. I've actually lost friendships over that. It's the craziest thing because... It's something where it's not like personal and I'm not like criticizing them or it's, you know, it's not something where I've done something hurtful or harmful on purpose. They just don't like to hear it because it's reflecting too much onto what they're afraid to try.
0: And it's uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. No one likes to be uncomfortable. Well, I don't know. I think you and I like to be uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you read the Surrender Experiment?
1: No, I should, right?
0: You should. It's a phenomenal book. I just finished it right before the holidays. And it's all about, there's many facets of it, but at a high level, one is just really surrendering to the universe and saying yes. And so when these doors are opening, even though your inner voice is saying, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I'm too scared to do that. He just says yes to everything. And he goes from being a meditative yogi in the woods to running a multi-billion dollar like tech startup in the 80s or 90s.
1: It's it's like, I mean, I get it. I mean, so, and I remember like years ago, I flew in Nairobi and I'm at the airport and they look at me and go, is this your final destination? And I said, sure. Because I was like, if they ask that, I'm not going to say no. Right. Like, sure, why? They go, oh, because you're out of pages of your passport. Like, that's as far as you can go. And I go, great. And so I got on the plane going, I don't have a passport. Well, to continue to these other countries I was supposed to be visiting, but I I guess I surrendered and said, I'll figure it out. Yeah. So, so I just had to talk my way into other countries.
0: <laughs> well, you're very persuasive, it sounds like. And I, I love in your story that you are saying exactly what you did, which is being so open. So I'd love to hear kind of transitioning to you're a child activist. You go through the years and then how do you transition into the next kind of part of your career?
1: Yeah, the next chapter. So obviously, you know, I couldn't just run a nonprofit for the rest of my life. I mean, you could, but like I was a teenage activist and I had to figure out the next chapter out of high school. My parents said, well, you can't live at home. So you have to figure out like how you're going to become an adult at the age of 18. And so I had an interesting childhood and I thought, you know, maybe I could actually write a book to help other kids who are interested in making a difference in their community, like a, like a primer on how to do it. So I got myself a book agent, like wrote letters out to all these agents and and no, actually, you know what it is? I I wrote a letter to Random House with a book idea and it went into the slush pile, which is like all the submissions. And this young junior editor picked out my letter and she called me and said, you know, we don't traditionally buy books directly from authors. You should get an agent. And here are some agents I think would be good for you. And so that one young editor helped me because like I called all these agents and they, and I said, Brandon House wants to buy a book, but I need an agent. And obviously it's a done deal, right? Like they're like, of course we'll sign you. So
0: that's amazing.
1: Um, so when I was 18, I got like $32,000 to write a book. Wow. And for an 18 year old, even I guess for now, or even 18, it's a I lot.
0: Like,
1: I was like, I can live on that for three years. Not true, but <laughs> in my money back <laughs> on that. I wrote the book and it wasn't selling. And so I finally, and this is where I, I sometimes think like being very naive actually can be beneficial because Absolutely. you're just open to like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I wrote the book and I'm in Washington, DC now living in an apartment and I'm, a, I'm volunteering as a lobbyist for a nonprofit to save like Redwood forests in America. So I'm still doing the advocacy, but I got this book and it's not selling. It's these stores everywhere. I'm like, what do I have to do? And they said, um, you know, it's like, well, obviously the Oprah show moves books and I go, okay, so let's get on the Oprah show. And they're like, it's not that easy. And apparently it was like incredibly difficult to get on the show. And so I was like, all right, let me see what I can do. So I remember being in a restaurant and I saw like a wall of postcards for like absolute mm-hmm. vodka. It was doing free postcards. So I grabbed a I remember a that. You remember them? Put a 20 cent stamp on it. And I wrote, dear Oprah, I have this new book. I forget what I wrote, but it was like, you can challenge me to do anything. I will do it for you. And in my mind, I thought someone's job, again, is to read all the mail and at least a postcard doesn't have to be opened. Sure. Very smart. And I actually got a call from a producer He goes, what do you mean by this? Wow. And I explained my story a little bit. I was 19 years old. I wrote this book. And they said, well, we're creating something called Oprah's Angel Network. And she's building a Habitat for Humanity home in every single city where her show airs. And we don't have a person who is actually sponsoring at home. Like everything is being sponsored by like Coca-Cola, like in Atlanta. And it doesn't really resonate with the viewers at home. It's like, great. Someone with a big check goes on the show, builds a home. And he goes, what if you raise $40,000 over the next 30 days using all your fundraising techniques? And then how do you come on the show and explain how you did it? But there were a lot of rules. I couldn't say I was doing it for the Oprah show. You know, I had to just say it was a Habitat for Humanity home. And I figured out all these crazy ways to raise the money. And went on the show and shared it. And she, what were the
0: ways that you figured out how to raise money?
1: There was about 10. I'll give you the, like, it was a mix of things. But the one that was, like, the one that anyone could do, and I guess now in a digital age, it's less and less. But I was in Georgetown in Washington, D.C. and saw shopping, like, the fountains, like, in the mall, and all these coins in the water fountain. And so I, I didn't go and take the coins, but what I did is <laughs> I asked questions. I was like, this is a lot of money. And so I knocked in the mall management door and I said, what happens to all the coins? And they go, well, we donate them to charity. And they go, would you do it for Habitat for Humanity? He goes, of course. And, and he goes, he goes, "But so like, what do I have to do to get them? And they said, well, nobody wants them because all the coins are wet and slimy and they have to be cleaned, hand-dried and wrapped. So he takes me down the hallway and shows me a room. It smelled so bad of just buckets of wet disgusting coins because they have to be taken out or otherwise the whole you know mechanisms get clogged and he goes you can have them and i went to go lift up a bucket it was like i don't have a car like they're super heavy like this would take forever i was like okay and so then i, I decided i was like there's got to be a way so i called the u.s Mint. I said i said i just have a question it's like i just have buckets and buckets of wet slimy dirty coins and i don't know what to do with them and they transferred me to someone who i remember it was almost like he never got phone calls and he picks up the phone. He's like, and he goes, mutilated coin division. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I explained what I had. And he says, OK, all you have to do, like, it was almost like it was almost like the IT department, you know, at a company like the yeah. typical IT person. All you got to do is uh, set up a bank account and they'll send a truck to pick up the coins and then we'll handle the rest and then um, we'll just wire the money into your account. And so just by connecting the dots between the mall, the bank, and the US Mint, I was able to get like four grand.
0: Wow, that's incredible.
1: And so and that's what I think was so beneficial for viewers at home was like, I don't want to clean all those coins, but I can make a phone call. Right. So that was fun. And but obviously with the Oprah show, it's like you get to do more books because it's sold well. And I, I got to write another book. And My second book, it was all about philanthropy, but it was honestly, the Washington Post was sent to do a story about the book, a little, little tiny story. And I decided for the reporter, she came to my apartment. I said, Oh, you know what? Let me make you lunch. And I cooked her an all organic lunch and it was vegetarian and whole foods didn't exist. And she's like, what is all this? And she looked around my apartment and I had all this recycled furniture. I was like, Oh no, I, I dumpster dived and like this podium over here at church was throwing it out. So I turned it into an entertainment center. And she's like, it's actually very nice. I go, yeah, I call it sacrilegious chic. And this little story ended up being a cover story for the Washington Post. Holy cow. Uh, two full pages, didn't know about this. And the, st- the gist of the story is like, is this the next Martha story?
0: Oh my God.
1: So I was actually horrified, Elizabeth.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, what were you feeling in that moment?
1: Because I didn't, I wasn't pitching myself to be that. And... I was and also she didn't promote the book. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so I was like, what is this? And also I didn't go to culinary school. I have a high school dropout. I have no design experience. Like I was just showing her stuff I liked. And and that's when the aha moment came together. Because the LA Times picked up the story. And there were all these like celebrities who contacted me about working with them. I can't like mention their names, but we're talking about like to this day, like the world's largest number one male actor in the world. Wow. Like everyone, I was working with them and helping them green their homes. And I was like, oh, maybe this is what I should be doing. Because when I sent this certain actor to the Academy Awards in a hybrid car, like no one had ever done that. It got so much press attention. And I thought... Wow, I just opened up a giant global conversation about hybrid cars by making one decision. And for me, that felt like a form of activism, but at the same time, it was like a like a a different form of it that I could actually feel excited about and sort of grow that world. And then from there it all just snowballed.
0: <laughs> That's such an incredible journey that you've had. And I mean, I think so interesting how it how it shifted, but that impact work is like, how can you impact in a more fun and and more scalable way perhaps
1: easier and feel okay about monetizing it right i'd never felt comfortable about monetizing charitable work so it was like how do i make an income without like going on the speaking circuit or something like that but also throughout all that it's like again those are all those doors opening yeah it's like when that actor's assistant called me, it's like, that's a door where I could be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really qualified. But like you say surrender. I was like, sure.
0: Right. You could have easily, fear could have set in and imposter and I, I, I'm not that person. I don't know how to do that. But you you went for it.
1: I think actually, I got to read this book now because I remember I was hired by Maria Rodale who owned Rodale Publishing. She was starting a new magazine. and She's like, I want you to work on this magazine. I was like, Sure. But I
0: And had you ever called, worked on a magazine before? That was I didn't know
1: anything about magazines. Nothing. Nothing. And I remember I had to call my friend who was a magazine editor. And I was like, okay, you have to teach me everything. And she goes, okay, so the well of the book, I go, wait, it's a magazine, not a book. She's like, oh no. She's like, you're screwed. You're like, whatever. You figure it out.
0: Yeah. It's all right. about figuring it out. So so Marie Rodale calls, you You get into magazines. How does that leapfrog into your own magazine?
1: The first magazine I worked at was called Organic Style.
0: Yeah, I remember. And that.
1: in 2001, and she was like the first to come out with a magazine after like 9-11. It was like a big deal. She's like, no, we, we have to grow publishing and this is something I want to do. So I learned a lot. I really cut my teeth on that. And what I was good at was booking celebrity covers. Now, imagine me trying to book a celebrity cover when I'm competing with Vogue, Vanity Fair, Harvard's Bazaar, and then here I am calling all these publicists who represent the world's top stars going, ha, you know what I mean? Yeah. it was. And, and so it was all about like, I had to, and then I had to like talk to the publishing side and be like, what's important for you? What's going to make the advertisers interested? And like, they're like, what's, what kind of advertisers do you want? And they're like, oh, we want to get Ralph Lauren, but there's no way. I go, Okay. And so what I realized at the time, it was the time when supermodels were becoming a thing. Christy Turlington, Cindy Crawford, Shalom Harlow, Naomi Campbell, like they were becoming the stars of fashion. And I said, the thing about supermodels is that they're professional and like they're, you can just book them. Right. And so I started just booking the top supermodels. And what was great is like, we're going to get beautiful images. They're going to be on time. They're gonna wear, you know, like what we bring, because they know this is how to be professional. And once I started getting the top models on organic style, it's like we started bringing in tons of like great beauty advertising and Ralph Lauren. Wow! Yeah. So it, that's what I started learning about the business side and the editorial side and the balance between all of that. And it was, and at the same time, I was like, I didn't realize it was like a like a, a masterclass in publishing. And I, I think the funniest like green moment, because you're like, I'm doing a great job with that. But then like, I always do something great. And then I fail miserably with something else. <laughs> Is that like six months in, I was just like, I walked up to my editor-in-chief and I was like, you know, I was like, when I I get paid? She's like, what do you mean? I go, I just haven't been paid since I have started. Oh, geez. <laughs> and she's like, you've never been set up as an employee. So I was like, yeah, I just I just realized like I have to pay my bills anyway so um that magazine folded and then i ended up working at meredith corporation and on the home design side for better homes and gardens and country home and learning to be a decorating editor again no experience Just threw you myself yes. in there. yeah and then for our own magazine this is where it was literally i'm now like consulting for like jc as a green advisor i have some Product lines. I've been. I've written now ten books. I've worked at tons of different magazines. I have a syndicated column. I work at the Today Show. So all of this stuff is growing. And I remember one morning I just woke up and said, "I want to I do my own magazine." And so I just asked questions. I asked someone with the magazine, like, "How did you do it? Who do you know? What's the process?" And I want to call the magazine naturally, where it's just like you naturally know it's good for you. It's not about like trying to feel people. Trying to make people feel bad about their choices and say eat this instead, do this instead. It's like no, we just want to show a beautiful lifestyle while learning what mistakes organic style made. Yeah, what I could do to evolve to the next step. And I remember the funniest thing was like when we finally got the green light to to test it. It's like I got a call from my my lawyer who was like, we can't call it naturally. I go, why? They go, there's already a magazine with that title. And I said, I've never seen it. He goes, it's in Australia. And when we looked it up, it was a nudist enthusiast magazine. Perfect. So the fix was naturally Danny CEO. And, and that's when I kind of embraced like, okay, I might as well just put my name out there. And I feel like you may have had that same issue, adding your face and your name. Like, you don't seem like a person who's like, me, 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 me.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I... I knew starting out that I did want my name in it because I had seen people like Justin from Justin's Nut Butter and how I felt as a consumer that I was like, I want to be connected to that brand, but I never wanted to put my face on it until we just did our packaging refresh. And I agreed to do that.
1: (laughs) But I like it because it actually shows that you're a real person and that the brand wasn't created like by a focus group. Like
0: Betty Crocker. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which people would be astonished that Betty Cracker wasn't actually a person?
1: Yeah, or the or the Gerber baby, I guess, keeps evolving. Right.
0: <laughs> so, talking about brand, what tips do you have? Because you obviously have done such an incredible job creating your brand, your personal brand. Any tips around that for people?
1: I think I hear the phrase all the time: "Fake it till you make it." I'm, I, would, I don't believe in that. I think that's just outright lying. And so I don't. I'm, if, if there's no, there's no shame in being completely transparent and honest when something is new and unfamiliar, and you can just say, "I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about." Like, explain this to me, and I promise to evolve and learn and do better. But like, this is not my forte. And I think for anyone starting a business, it's like it's nice to get a lot of feedback and advice from other people. Like, it's good to absorb it. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it.
0: Mm.
1: So it's that—that's a weird fine line I think between two things. And right now it's like we have a, a, a TV shopping partner where I have a clean beauty show, and it's like what I, it took me a while to get to a point where I finally, you know, just had to like finally go. You know, it's like I I really think I understand this customer, and allow like my gut instinct to to really reflect the merchandising decisions. And so, like, there was something recently where I said no. Like, I, I I came back from Korea and I found this amazing facial oil that it's cold pressed ginseng root. Wow! And they've been making it since 1899, and it's 250 dollars a bottle. They said absolutely not. No one's going to buy this. It's way too much money. I go, no, it's impossible to get. But like, because I went to Korea and spent a couple of days. With the farmers and the formulators and all the decision makers. Like, I'm Korean. Like, I know it's not just about business. It's about respect for the process. It's like, they've agreed to let me bring this to the channel. And they said, fine. We'll take in a couple hundred. I recently put it on air. I told the story behind it. It was sold out in 90 seconds.
0: Holy cow. That's amazing. And
1: so then I just love the moment where like, Elizabeth, like I'm in like the room and everyone's writing. I was like. It's like, how do we get more? And I'm just like, can someone just say, just to humor me? Like, can I just say I told you so?
0: All right. Listen to your gut instinct.
1: Like, just trust me. Just trust me. But also when you fail miserably, own it. It's so easy to blame everybody else and the day of the week and the holiday or the weather. But like, just go, ah, I was wrong. Yeah. It's okay. I'm sure you've had a flavor that was a, a massive bomb. Totally. You're like no, no.
0: We totally have had. We've had so many products that you know you think are going to be your your winning baby, and for whatever reason, it's in a lot of cases for us, it's like we were too trend forward and ahead of our time. I think, and then sometimes it just didn't taste good. But
1: was it the cheddar cheese garlic granola,
0: the cauliflower oats in particular? <laughs> Oh, I liked that. And our, and our mushroom bars, which were way ahead of their time.
1: But those should come back.
0: Yeah, those should come back.
1: Mushrooms mm-hmm. are trending.
0: Totally. So talking about trending stuff, I would love to hear from your perspective what you think is next in wellness, sustainability. Where Where are we going?
1: It's It's a tough one. I mean, I know we just talked about it, but I actually think ginseng as an active ingredient is going to trend big. In and just
0: skincare, or also in in
1: oh, I I think all for
0: applications, yeah,
1: all applications, but mostly for ingestibles. But I think the delivery system is going to change. I think someone whoever can what I call it vital proteining or um ginseng, because right now it's like it's a very strong kind of medicinal flavor to it, and so we either just embrace what it is and what it does and keep it very simple and pure, or we find a different delivery method that's more palatable to the American sensibility because it took 200 years for it to become modern and mainstream in Korea so like in fairness like we can't expect an American palate to embrace it like on day one sure um, the other thing actually know that I think is the biggest thing for this year and I think for decades to come I think I sent you a bottle I may have but true niogen.
0: yes you did thank you
1: do you do, you, do you, the whole NAD thing?
0: I'm super into that. I, I was getting NAD drips for a time. And so I think there's a lot of science behind that supplementing or, or adding into your diet.
1: But the NAD drips, it's like they do work, but it's like it's so time consuming.
0: Oh, it's and so it- time consuming. I mean, it's not realistic, I think, for anybody to do. It's like a three, five hour thing and, and you feel like crap. Yeah, during it you feel great after but it, it's not sustainable
1: but with true nitrogen it's like it's an interesting delivery system two nobel prize scientists sit on the board and it actually feeds at a cellular level and gives them, those listening you're like what the heck is nad it's basically the fuel source that your cells need to function and after the age of 40 you produce 50 percent less nad which is why you're aging and this is the way of actually getting your NAD levels up to optimal health. Like, it's the future of aging better, optimal aging. There's no such thing as anti-aging. It doesn't exist. We're all getting older. But the thing with triage that I'm so drawn to, why I brought it to the shopping channel, it's now their number one supplement in just, wow. like, three months. And I'm a, And I use it every single day. Is that, like, I can't say it on air, but, like, every single NFL team, basically every player takes it every Major League Baseball team practically takes it. I mean, like, it's Tom Brady's, like, secret weapon. And oh, well,
0: if it's big, Tom Brady's secret weapon, I think we should all be thinking it.
1: I mean, he's 45, and look at someone in optimal health.
0: Right, he's pure optimal.
1: And he's not a paid spokesperson. Like, he buys it, because, like, this is one of his secret weapons.
0: Well, All right, everyone, go it. get it.
1: So that, to me, I think anyone who can really figure out NAD in – Right now, it's in a supplement form, but like I know, like Nestle is like looking at ways to put it into food.
0: Maybe it should be our next product.
1: An NAD supplement. That's not a bad idea, but it has to work. Right. So the clinicals are tricky, but I think NAD is a big thing. And then I think lastly, I had to pick something. I don't know. Ginseng and NAD. Can I just go with that?
0: Sure. We'll take it. How in Korea today, how is ginseng most consumed?
1: it's okay there's two different ways so one there's like the revered sort of more traditional way where it's like this is a regin thing it's the highest quality it's done in a beautiful ceremonial box it's sometimes it's mixed with like ground up like deer antler that's naturally shed they're not killing the deer and so and it's also with like hundreds of years of research and development into like what's the best and they sell for thousands of dollars these kids and then they have like the on the go version for like a younger generation where they're like they're like sticks mixed with honey and elderberry for immunity.
0: Oh.
1: Or just pure honey where you just squeeze it in your mouth and go. It's also done in coffee shops, like in a beautiful ginseng latte. So there's the modern side of it, and then there's like the revered side. And I, I tend to fall more on the the modern, like fresher side. Just because also like I don't I don't I don't know if I can include a fifteen hundred dollar box of ginseng
0: as It's right? <laughs>
1: I don't know if I, like, do I, do I bow to the box? Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then there's obviously the topical products, um, which sure. are really great as well.
0: So you mentioned earlier about having the columns and I know one of which is your do just one thing. So yeah. as we are thinking about 2023, I'd love for you to share kind of three of your top takeaways for people that as they think about this year can just do that one thing.
1: I think fast fashion has been the worst thing to happen to this planet. I think it's tricky for people. Just, we're addicted to getting clothes at crazy prices. And then we think I'll just donate it. But like even like Salvation Army and Goodwill, they don't want it. There's just too much. So billions of garments end up in landfills. So I think the easiest thing to do is one, ask yourself two questions before you buy something. One, do I really need it? That's a yes or no. But for most of us, we always say Yes. Because I want it. So we don't know the difference between want and need. And it's like, whatever. It's like, I can't control that in your brain. and But the big question you can ask yourself is, like, would I wear this at least 30 times? And that's something where people go, oh, no, I wouldn't. Okay. Then you shouldn't buy it.
0: That's a great tip.
1: And for those listening who are like, well, what if it's like for a special occasion or something? And I'm like, well, it's called a Rent the Runway. It's like, or you can figure out a way to borrow it. There's so many different smarter ways of getting designer clothes. The other thing I think would be, it's all about food waste. You know, so it's like, you know, there's a lot of different things you can be a little bit more clever about, whether it's, you know, investing in a really good, like, I love the Vitamix uh, food cycler. I'm obsessed with this. So like, I don't, if, if you don't have room for composting, this is something where you can put all your scraps into it and over and it turns it into a nutritional dust, which is really nice. But even like just being smarter, like I've been like doing things like if you have expired like almond milk or regular milk or whatever, you can dilute it with water and just feed your plants with it,
0: oh, just pour great it tip.
1: and then I would say it's an oldie, but it's like it needs to be reminded it's like just don't drink single used plastic water, and I'm adding box water to that list it's just it's, it's not, not much
0: better, right no,
1: it's still plastic. It's not any better, and even if it's even if it, you're not thinking ecological reasons, you think, well, it's better than soda. That's the excuse I always hear. It's like, well, I'm on the road; it's better than getting soda. I'm like, true, but the reason water has an expiration date isn't because the water goes bad; it's because the plastic is degrading and going bad. Keep that in mind, and if you give up bottled water, you actually will save on the low end fourteen hundred dollars a year. Wow. And we know like with you buy a Yeti, you refill it. And there are water filtration stations everywhere. Everywhere. There's no reason not to get filtered water in your bottle. That's actually better for you. And if you actually put a water filter in your own home and use that instead of bottled water, the same amount of water that you spend $1,400 on, you only spend $1 for the same amount of water at home.
0: Great tips. Do you have a favorite home water filter?
1: I use Pentair. So Pentair is the—it's—I'm not involved with them, but they are the the water filtration company made here in the United States that makes all the water filters for. And they're not allowed to say this publicly, but I don't work for them. Uh, <laughs> they make all the water filters for Starbucks globally. And if you think about like they're at Starbucks in some rough areas around yeah, the world, they have
0: to be doing a pretty good job filtering. Yeah. So, so
1: that's kind of it. And then with that $1,300, $1,400 that you're saving treat yourself to that one new dress or jacket.
0: Right, good way. I'm curious to hear, you've had so many cool opportunities in, in your life and, and different partnerships along the way. What would be a dream collaboration for you?
1: Uh, beyond my own flavor of uh, purely Elizabeth.
0: Okay, and what would that flavor uh, you
1: be? You seem to have poo-pooed my cheddar and garlic flavor. Oh.
0: <laughs> Don't say Never. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I mean, the dream. Oh, well. Okay. So, you know, my hero is actually growing up. So is it, this is, this goes way back. But like when I was like 12, it's like, while I was running this nonprofit, I had all these like female heroes in my life. And the two that I was obsessed with, so it kind of makes sense now, was um, Martha Stewart. And back then, like she had like a lifetime TV show. She just that wrote was amazing. Yeah. Like it was like the, like her empire was just starting and I could see it. And I was so inspired by like one woman creating this like empire and Dr. Jane Goodall.
0: Also amazing.
1: So I, I think it's, it's either of them. would be fun to do a, a collaboration, but like, I think it'd have to be actually Dr. Jane Goodall. I think it'd be fun to do a collaboration with. All right. Well, but, like, but she'd have to be okay with my stalker story about her.
0: What's your, all right. Well, now we have to hear what's your stalker story.
1: Well, when I was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, but she actually came to do a speech and a meet and greet in my hometown of Reading, Pennsylvania. And as a kid, like I couldn't afford the $200 to go to the reception, but there was, I mean, to see the speech and the meet and greet, but for $25, you could attend the reception after where she was just there for a couple of minutes and she'd sign a book for you. And I remember, so I, I paid for that. And then when everyone left the auditorium, I actually went into the auditorium that was empty and she left her notes behind. And there were doodles of um, chimpanzees all over. Oh it. my God. I took it.
0: <laughs> How cool is that?
1: <laughs> so I was like, worth every penny. I mean, I think she'd be fine with that.
0: Totally. Or
1: or it would totally be so weird. She's like, I have been looking.
0: For, for those ever. notes. <laughs> She might be willing to pay you for those (laughs) notes.
1: 25 years.
0: All right. Switching gears to a day in your life. I'm curious to hear, since you are involved in so many different pieces of your business, how you kind of set your week up. Do you chunk it out so that one day is creative day, one day is magazine, one day is TV? Or what does that a week look like for you? And any tips for setting up your week for success?
1: I'm such a, I'm like an old person, I feel like, or it's very antiquated the way that I plan my day, but I, I do a a printed out list of priorities, and then it's important that for t- me. That you
0: like type the night before, or what do you do? Exactly? The morning off. Okay. So
1: the morning off. So I, I I have a cup of coffee with like my collagen, bulletproof. I put all this crazy stuff in it. It's That's your,
0: like, all the things you put in it.
1: Like My treat item in it is a teaspoon of organic coconut sugar, bulletproof almond milk, the bulletproof creamer, collagen powder. I put an NAD supplement. And then from your shirt, there's like this like spice, coffee spice I put in there and then it all gets blended up. And it's one mug. That's all I have. That's my breakfast. And then actually, and then in total honesty, Right now and then, my pre-workout like little meal is that I I love the um the potato oatmeal that you make. Oh, thanks. I put that in the microwave. Yes, I write cookbooks, but I also like to microwave things. <laughs> I just eat that and then I hop with the Peloton. But the list is done as I'm drinking my coffee, and it's a it's a random mix of things where it's like it's household chores with work responsibilities and then future goals all mixed in. It's like so for today, it's all about like I have to remember tomorrow's recycling, so it's like take the recycling out. And then arrange to have like a coat I need tailored that I've been like meaning to do. So I have that tailored. It has to get done today. It's on the list. And then for goals today, it's like, these are the proposals that have to get done. These are the answers that have to be given. This is the planning for three events we're having this month that we need decisions on. And then for future, it's like this weekend, I was like, Oh, well he won't hear this, but I want to surprise my boyfriend with like a little spa getaway. So I have to book the hotel and make the appointments And then it's all sort of done in three little buckets. And so the very bottom of the list is like this can happen anytime. In the middle, this has to happen during the day. And then at the first, like get this out of the way just to get your brain wired to think about being functional. So they're not things. Yeah. Yeah. They're not difficult things. They're just like, do just feel good about getting something accomplished.
0: And do you always cross everything off the list? Or are you all right letting something go the next day?
1: No, no, everything has to get down on the list. That's why it's on an unrealistic list.
0: So it's a realistic, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know what I can do in a day and I, what can be pushed. It's like, I have a book due February 15th. I was like, I'm not going to write like, write book.
0: So really breaking it down into the small pieces that can be accomplished to really right. help So you. instead of write
1: book, I would put like, organize write all one the page. notes to begin, mm-hmm. the write, you know, book writing process. Next time it'll be like, write chapter one, which I know is doable. And then even like later, after all the chapters are done, it's like prove chapters one, three, three. And so that it's all sort of in my head. But that comes from like 20 plus years of doing those. Like I, you just know it's two of all. Actually, the one thing that sometimes doesn't get crossed off. Is, I have to be better about it is exercise. I need to learn from you on that one. Because I follow you on social media. I was like, I need to be more like her.
0: Like some some people are wired that way. Like I I do feel so grateful that I don't even think about exercise as being a chore. It's just I get up, and of course that's how I start my day.
1: My a lot of my friends, a lot of my actor friends, they call it a non-negotiable.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like breathing, coffee, sleeping, it's a non-negotiable. I call it a. At least I dressed up for it. <laughs> I mentally get to it. I don't know. I'll try. I mean, I'm even, I'm even friends with Peloton instructors, and it still doesn't get me on the mic.
0: You'll do it. All right. Well, we're going to move on to some rapid-fire Q&A. Okay. The best advice that you've gotten this past year. Well, not this past year, but...
1: I know you said these ahead of time, these, Liz. I, I never, like, rethink these. I think the best advice I got... Oh, it's okay to say no. I have to be reminded about that. I'm not a people pleaser, but I, it's nice to be reminded it's okay to say no. Yeah, the end of the world.
0: Favorite kitchen
1: staples right now, definitely the uh, the Vitamix food cycler. I love putting all my scraps in it and then sprinkling it all over the yard. And then I would say, um, I oh the ceramic nonstick cookware, um, that I've been cooking with right now. But also, what's the brand? It's called Bloom House. Okay. It's I really I really like how it's performing and it's it's just really beautiful. But I'm also obsessed with my Finex cast iron pan. So maybe I'll no, I'll go with the Finex. That'll last forever and it's beautiful. It's <laughs> my mind.
0: Three things that you're currently loving.
1: I love Non-kitchen my little... kitchen staples. Oh damn it!
0: All right, fine. You can put a kitchen one in there.
1: <laughs> I was about to start with. I'm obsessed with my. I travel with it. It's the little frother. For my coffee thing so like i travel with everywhere so i have like a little bag that's full of all of my like healthy essentials in the morning so I, it's all dosed out like all of my coffee stuff ginseng packets true nitrogen, like it's, i'm it's like just,
0: that like, too but like once you travel so much you have to get good at, at i know but that, it
1: looks so. i look crazy when i walk into like a restaurant that i am about like and it's in a ziploc which is and like i hate single use so like i'm just gonna use this forever so it even looks rattier <laughs> i it look crazy. Maybe
0: you could come out with a cool line of, I don't know.
1: Organizers? For your... Yeah,
0: like travel organizers for that.
1: I call it the how not to die bag. <laughs> like think it's so bad. And, you know, I'm also like, I'm in love with like a year and a half ago, two years ago, we acquired a media brand called Rue. So I'm really proud of the team behind that. And it's the first time where I, I'm involved, but it's not like I'm not on top of the masthead for involvement and so it was a good example of like wow we have a really beautiful product and a beautiful magazine beautiful books and products coming out but um it was nice to sort of release some control and realize it's going to be okay if you just surround yourself with really talented people but also reward them Then it all it all works out i think i need a third thing i'm obsessed with right now um oh gosh it sounds so stupid i feel like I should talk about something charitable, but I'll be honest. It's like my Marriott. <laughs> like more points.
0: I'm right there with you. Where's your you? favorite place that you've used your points for?
1: Well, I don't go anywhere exotic, but like I just got Ambassador. Nice. It, do you have that? I do. Is it? It's kind of nice, right?
0: It's so nice. I I mean. The last two years I haven't traveled as much for work, but historically I was on the road every other week. So I've accumulated a lot of Marriott points and status for that.
1: I mean, but it's like, I didn't realize it's like, I had to take like a really early flight to Minneapolis. And so like the only way I could get, and so I get there at 9am, I had to be up at 3am. I'm there. And then I go to the hotel. They're like, oh yeah, you can check in whenever you want.
0: Amazing.
1: And so then I went to sleep for like three hours. And then I went to like my meetings and went on air. I was like, but if I didn't have that, like, I would just be like, what do we do? <laughs> yeah,
0: we have- that's so helpful.
1: So there's that.
0: All right. Favorite words to live by?
1: Beauty, truth, and goodness. So at the, I had a TV show on NBC for a couple of years. And I ended every show by saying, you know, celebrate every day with beauty, truth, and goodness. So the beauty in things, recognize it, see it, love it, embrace it. Truth, what did I say before? Don't fake it too, make it. Just be honest. Honesty is always key. And when someone's honest and truthful with you, recognize it and love it. And then just the goodness of being alive.
0: I love that. What's one thing you wish more people know about you?
1: That I'm not a workaholic. Yeah. would be surprised. To- yeah. I think it's kind of, it's like, that's not what I aspire, aspire to be. And it's also because I, it's all about the quality of what you do and not the quantity. I think people would be surprised like in the month of February, like I actually disappear for three weeks, but I don't make it a big deal. You wouldn't know it. No one would know because it doesn't have to be this thing where it's like, no, don't bother me. It's like, I'm on a boat in Key West for three weeks.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: And that's when I realized when I started doing it, it's like nobody even cares
0: all right. The team and can go, go on.
1: Just There's just like one or two people who are like, it's it's so it's kind of cute where it's like, I don't respond as quickly to an email or something. And they just go, it's just fun to see them like go on a slippery slope of like, oh, yeah, I just found a question about this. It's like, hey, I just want to check in about that to Are you mad at me? And I'm like, oh, calm down, Lauren. It's like, we actually have never even met in person. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> and it's cute.
0: Favorite, all, all-time favorite magazine shoot, which I'm sure you've had some incredible experiences.
1: Uh, oh, I know. India, travel story. I was able to negotiate my photographer myself to get into the Taj Mahal for 30 minutes before it opened to the public.
0: Oh, wow. That must have been have insane. Ever,
1: have you ever been?
0: I have. You <laughs> know
1: what it's like, the crush to get in? Breath, yeah. And I remember like you have to run there's like it's all the way for you got to run all the way in to get to the Taj Mahal and like so we we're rushing to get there as much time as possible. And, and I remember my photographer he was like okay it's like you set up he's like I want to do the night.' And I looked at it's like stop. We're going to actually spend five minutes. Or three. a <laughs> couple of minutes not doing anything and like because you and I right now are at the Taj Mahal one of the wonders of the world by ourselves like. Just look at it. And so I think it was stressing him out in the first minute. And then it was like, okay, like, you're right. Like I'm having a bucket list moment and he's shooting away. And I go, it's just, I don't think this is the image. We're missing something. And then suddenly the stray dog walks in front of the camera, sits down and stares up at the Taj Mahal. And I was like, that's our shot. Wow. That's it.
0: That's so cool. That must've been an incredible experience.
1: I haven't had that in a while, but yeah, that's something you just, you never forget.
0: Oh, absolutely. Lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey?
1: Sleep, 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 sleep. I got to get eight hours. Do you have any
0: tips or things that you do to get good sleep?
1: It's not about, I don't want to. This is a product that I use, but I actually use a, I don't do melatonin. I don't use any sleep aids. I do find that having NAD in my system helps actually with my energy levels so I can, you know, sleep properly. But I found that um, a pharmaceutical grade crystallized CBD that's put into a lotion really helps. It doesn't make you tired. What it does when I rub it into um, my feet is that it helps turn off the mind. Because I apparently it's like the study behind this is that we're all anxious. And even if you are tired, anxiety is what keeps people up. No matter how tired you are. And this is a way of actually turning off that anxiety or really softening it a lot so that you can get past that two AM wake up call and okay. actually get a deeper quality of sleep.
0: And what is that product called?
1: It's such a silly name. I don't Do I want to say it? <laughs> But I guess it's actually brilliant marketing because it tells you what it is. But it's called sleep cream.
0: Okay, great, perfect. Yeah, like
1: it is what it is. Yeah, but it actually works.
0: Yeah, I'd love to try that. Well, Danny, in closing, what are you most looking forward to this year?
1: I would, can I ask you that question too. Sure. But I think for me, it's I, I, I'm really embracing that mantra of quality over quantity. So. Quality experiences with my partner, with my family, with my friends, and not and and the ability to say and I've done this already to say no to things that I'm just like you know I, it's it's just not my cup of tea. It's okay, yeah, How about for you,
0: I think maybe not what I'm most looking forward to, but one of my goals, as you're saying, quality or quantity, is being more present, and just I think I I have so much going on in my head, as I'm sure you do, that it's really hard sometimes not to be as present as I want. And so being present with conversations with quality and people and really honoring that that time that I'm with people.
1: That's a good one. Yeah. That's a tough one. I think you know what, you know why we're not present? Phones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Well oh, this was fun.
0: Thank you so much Danny for being on the podcast. This was so much fun and I look forward to seeing you probably at Expo if not perhaps?
1: Expos are fashion week. Ah, uh, <laughs> exactly. Without the runway. <laughs> uh, thank you Elizabeth. Thanks, Dan. This is great.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.